Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for joining us. Today marks 50 years since the civil unrest on the streets of Detroit ended after five days of chaos and violence. The civil rights movement of the mid-1960s was wrapping up with key pieces of legislation and black voices rising finally to national promise. But the uprising in Detroit and in other major cities, such as Washington, D.C. and Newark, they demonstrated that the country was deeply vulnerable and required big, long-term solutions to racial inequity that would not come from a single movement. When we experience these kinds of fraught times as human beings, we often turn to great relief through sport. Cities and nations rally behind teams and athletes, even in the darkest hours. Think of 1968, the year after 1967, when the Detroit Tigers helped knit together the first threads of healing in this community when they won the World Series. But sometimes athletes have been able to turn their celebrity into a explicit platform for social change during times of unrest. Think of Muhammad Ali, for instance, and his refusal to enter the draft for Vietnam. My conscience won't let me go shoot my brother. Uh, some darker people, uh, some poor hungry people in the mud for big powerful America and shoot them for what? They never called me nigger. Or think of Tommy Smith, who, with John Carlos, raised a fist of power and protest while atop the Olympic track podium in 1968. Because we were black athletes, what we were supposed to do is run real fast and go home, smile, get pats on the back, and still be relegated to second-class living. And I'm supposed to stand up there and look at a flag, put my hand over my heart, saying how proud I am because this flag has represented me? I don't think so, because it did not. Or more recently, think of Colin Kaepernick, the San Francisco 49ers former quarterback who took a knee during the national anthem to protest unequal treatment of black and brown people in America. No, this country stands for freedom, liberty, justice for all. And it's not happening for all right now. Okay, so when that happens, some people think athletes aren't supposed to be speaking up. They are paid to entertain, not to inform or share their political opinions. And a World Series win certainly can't fix the great social, psychological, and emotional damage that's done by decades of inequality and racial tension. So what is the proper role of athletes in shaping how we feel about our society? Should they just play the game and keep their mouths shut? Or do they find proper roles? Do they find justice? by adopting social activism as part of their public personas. That's where we want to start the conversation today. What role should athletes be playing in our social consciousness, in our cultural conversations here in America? We absolutely want to hear from you, the listeners, about that. 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. What do you think when athletes speak up and say what they think about politics or social issues? Do you think that they are properly punished, as they often are in their careers? Do you think someone like Colin Kaepernick is getting what he deserves, not being picked up by any team at this point, probably because of the things that he spoke out about 
during the last season. Again, the number is 313-577-1019 on the phones. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there. You can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work your comments into the conversation. And joining me now to frame this issue is Lewis Moore, an associate professor of history at Grand Valley State University. He specializes in African-American history, sports history, and gender history. Lewis, welcome to Detroit Today. Uh, Thank you for having me. Yeah. Uh, So let's talk about this. First, the history of sports figures injecting themselves into social issues and social discussions. Obviously, it's not anything new, uh, but but take us back uh, to, to earlier times when athletes became symbols of social change as opposed to just athletes on the field. Yeah, um... To be clear, you know, occasionally there was, there was always a few athletes who, who would get involved, who would be activist athletes, let's say. Um, there's a boxer, John B. Bailey, from the 1850s, who was part of the abolition movement. Um, Moses Fleetwood Walker in the ni- early 1900s was part of the Back to Africa movement. But most of this occurs in the late 1950s and the 1960s, um, where we could say the shut-up-and-play era, mm-hmm. where people just wanted black athletes to shut up and perform, uh, dies out. And that largely happens because there is a, a civil rights movement. Um, you have, specifically in 1960, you have you know the sit-ins with, with SNCC, and then you have the Freedom Rides. And athletes realize that with thousands of young students getting involved, that it's their time to get involved, too. Um, specifically, someone like Floyd Patterson, who's the heavyweight champion of the world at this time, he, he says on numerous occasions, like, he's watching these kids on TV getting beat up, and he's moved by their courage and he wants to do something and so he actively gets involved um he in 1962 patterson of kurt flood the great baseball player archie moore the great boxer and jackie robson go to mississippi and they give support to to these freedom fighters and they all talk about how they see these young kids getting involved and and they want to be involved too um and so at that moment you'll you'll start to see more and more athletes participate in the civil rights movement um, and they've moved beyond this idea not only to shut up and play but this thought that as long as they succeed that america will embrace them but black people right and by the early 1960s they've realized that's not the case uh, there there are a couple of athletes who who stick out in in my mind from this era and and part of the reason they stick out in my mind i guess is the contrast between them one, of course, is Jim Brown, uh, who uh, was a running back for uh, the Cleveland Browns and somebody who spoke out very, uh, very prominently uh, during his career and, and afterward. The other is O.J. Simpson, who in the late 1960s uh, comes onto the scene as first a college star and then an NFL star who absolutely eschews the idea of activism, of even identifying with the African-American community, uh, right there and with those two sort of poles, I mean, they're not the precisely the same era, but they're, but they're close. It, it shows how much difference, I guess, there is in the way that people think about these things and in the way America reacts to, to, to those folks. Right. Um, O.J., uh, who wins the Heisman in 1968, he's part of 
that kind of old movement of, of black athletes who, who will shut up and play. Um, the major difference with O.J. at that time is that O.J. comes at a time is not only just Jim Brown, as you mentioned, and, and Jim is, has retired when he, he really gets involved, but he comes at a time with the people you played at the beginning, uh, Muhammad Ali, Tom, uh, Tommy Smith, and John Carlos. So think about this. About a month and a half after Tommy Smith and John Carlos raised their fists in the 1968 Olympics, O.J. Simpson wins the Heisman Trophy. Mm -hmm. And for many in the black middle class and also white America, they embrace O.J. because he's not like them. And he's not, you know, he's not revolting against the system. He's not really saying much against race. He wanted no part of the boycott movement in 1968. Um, And he's also not like those young kids on the streets in New York, in Detroit, in D.C. And they embrace that, this guy who's a great athlete, married, who's, who's well-spoken, and then they push him up front, right, to be a leader. Yeah. So if you go through, like, the black newspapers in late 1968, early 1969, there's a lot about O.J., about representing black America and what he means to, um, to black America. Um, so I think that's where we have to, to see O.J., and O.J. buys into that, and O.J., once they treat him differently, O.J. is always going to separate himself from everybody else. Yeah. Other athletes um, who believe that they'll just shut up and play and their success will, will win the day, they still understand that they're black. OJ just wanted to be OJ. Right. Uh, again, the number on the phones, 313-577-1019. Tell us what you think when athletes speak their minds, when they go outside the field or the court to talk about social issues. In particular, what do you think when athletes decide to talk about race, one of the most controversial and explosive issues even today in our political discussion. Is it okay for athletes to do that? Should they expect not to have consequences to their careers if they do that? Or should they understand that uh, there are potential backlashes and controversies that will arise and that they are putting their careers in peril by speaking up. 313-577-1019 is the number. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, uh, put your comments there, and uh, you can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work you into the conversation. Let's start with Rhonda in Bloomfield Hills. Rhonda, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. Hi. I just wanted to say that the title of, of the topic black, uh, just athletes being punished, Mm -hmm. it's kind of misleading because athletes, it seems that only athletes of color are punished. Um, Tom Brady didn't suffer in his career for Make America Great hat again in his locker. Kurt Schilling has not suffered. He's managed to get job after job after all his egregious comments. So it's, I think we should maybe, so that when people listen or call in, it's not that about athletes, you're talking mostly about... It's about race. It's about race. Yeah. Exactly. Rhonda, that's a, that's a wonderful point, and, and I absolutely appreciate your calling and making it. I, the, the, the one pushback I would offer to that is that the, Ita- the Australian track star who stood on the Olympic podium uh, in 1968 with, uh, with, with Tommy Smith and uh, John Carlos also had... A tremendous backlash. Now, of course, that backlash was also about race. <laughs> he happened to be white, but he was being punished because of a statement he made with with African 
Americans. But uh, Lewis Moore, talk about the the double standard that plays out in sports that, of course, we also see play out throughout the rest of uh, American society. Right. Um, no, you're right about uh, Peter Norman as uh, the athlete. He got a lot of pushback in Australia even up to the day he died. But, you know, the caller's right. Um, this happens to be the case because usually it's the black athlete who's the one who's, who's willing to step out and, and take that opportunity. And I think what you'll see in, in the 1960s is, is beginning with the, this athlete is that there's a call for white athletes to step up. Like, are you going to help out in this boycott movement? Or are you going to help integrate these playing facilities? Um, you need to share the risk and you need to share the burden, and most don't. Um, and, and so that's why it seems like there's a double standard because white athletes aren't really out there talking about police brutality. They're not talking about poverty. They're not really talking about, if we're talking about the 1960s, uh, you know, integration. Um, they're just allowed to, to be white. Um, and, and, you know, as the caller's right, you know, Tom Brady had his, his MAGA hat and, and he was able <laughs> to just smile and, and be Tom Brady and not really have to deal with the consequences of uh, being political, whereas a, a black athlete, you know, says something political, LeBron James speaks up for Hillary Clinton, it instantly becomes, you know, shut up and play. I think that's part of um, how we have really treated black people in, in politics in, in general. Um, you know, since emancipation, since you start to see, you know, the 15th Amendment and blacks get vote, there's this, this idea that maybe this is not your place. And, and America has really struggled with very vocal um, black people in politics. Yes. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Ken in Detroit, you're up next. Welcome to Detroit today. Good morning. Hey. Hello. Yep. Go ahead, Ken. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm 56 years old. And um, I haven't stood up for the playing of the Star Spangled Banner or the, or the Pledge of Allegiance since I was 20 years old, not because of an athlete, but because of a self-realization after I went to a, a, a sporting event and I actually listened to the words. Now, um, in this country, I, like I said, I don't use love of country like I told you, your screener. Mm-hmm. But I am, I am, I am glad. I am glad to be born in America. There's no other country I could think of that I would want to be born for the simple fact that if I want to go to a sporting venue and sit down when that's done, as an American, I, I have that right. And, and if anybody comes to me um, or throws popcorn at me because I do sit down, they're being very un-American. Um, and and. So it goes against what being an American is about. That's what being an American is about, is to sit if we want to sit, to yeah. stand if we want to stand. It is a choice. We're not a totally, we're not a totally communistic country yet, and I feel we're moving that way, but until then, I will, cons- I will continue to sit. And, and um, can, when, when athletes, though, choose to do that, it's a little bit different than when you... Uh, as, well, it's, it's, it's only different in the sense... The, venue, the only time those things are done, they don't, they're not done when you walk into a coffee shop to get your coffee. Sure. They're not done at an opera. They're done at sporting events. I guess the so point of... I guess the point I'm trying to make, Ken, is that you as an individual, you're you're one person sitting in the stands that maybe the people around you see and can react to. But an athlete like Colin, think about Colin Kaepernick. He takes a knee during the Star Spangled Banner, uh, during uh, NFL games. Everybody sees that, right? And it becomes a much bigger deal in, in, in media and in social media 
the backlash looks differently for an athlete than it does for an individual. I guess I'm not making a substantive distinction there in terms of why you're doing what you're doing or the right to do it. But the risk, I suppose, it looks very different for an athlete than for an individual. So I'm wondering what you think athletes – what do you think of athletes who, who, who step out and, and make their views known? But see, you're equating my Americanism with money. I think it's fine. I mean, I'm all for it. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I mean, so you're telling me because I get paid, because an athlete gets paid, he doesn't have the right to show his to, – to, to view his his, his – his, uh, what's the lack of a better word? His disagreement with with the, with the, with, the, with, the, with the Pledge of Allegiance or Star Spangled Banner? That's crazy. Oh, yeah, that I'm, I'm not suggesting that, by the way, Ken. I'm just, I, I guess I'm asking you what what your reaction is to it. Uh, I'm giving you my reaction. Yeah. I think it's totally fine for him to do it. It's the right venue because it's the only venue that is done. Like I say, when you go to an opera, that, that's not done there. When you right. go to, to, to your country that's not done. It's done at a sporting <laughs> event. So he, I guess he had conscience. He's like, hey, wait a minute. No. What I'm hearing, like, what, I guess what I heard when I was 20 and I stopped doing it, that's not right. Yeah. So watch it. I don't care if I'm getting paid or not. Yeah. And maybe I'm taking a simplistic view of it, but I'm an American and having a right whether you get paid as an as a, as a, as a, as a athlete or, or not. Yeah, Ken, thank you. He thought, yeah, I'm look, sorry. That's okay. Uh, thank you very much for the call and for making the points. I, th- I think I understand where you're, where you're coming from there. Uh, Lewis Moore, react to what he's saying about this this idea that we do have the right to speak out we are supposed to have the right to speak our minds it does look a little different however when we are in positions of of public prominence that has been the pressure the, the i guess the pushback pressure against athletes african american athletes or any others coming out and saying what they think all the time right and um just specifically on the, the national anthem um I talk about a few instances. I have a book coming out, We Will Win the Day. It's about black athletes in the civil rights movement. And I lead with um, this incident with James Mudcat Grant, a, a great pitcher. And, and in 1960, he is in the bullpen. He's playing for the Cleveland Indians, and he refuses. He changed the lyrics to the national anthem, and he says, you know, this land ain't so free, I can't even go to Mississippi. <laughs> and he winds up getting suspended for, for two weeks for that. And, and he never does anything political, you know, like that again. Um, but it's but it's that idea, right, that people were so taken aback that he would he would do this, and the people who were taken aback were really his, his white pitching coach, um, who who's from Texas, and he's mm-hmm. so upset. But the point is, like, look, man, you're from Texas, and it's Jim Crow, and I can't even go there, and you treat me wrong. Yet every game, you're going to stand up and say this national anthem, and the black press makes this point that you know white athletes who don't think critically about the national anthem are, are being hypocrites because the black athletes and, and black people in America, uh, things aren't equal for them. So, so I, I kind of uh, empathize with that caller. Um, the difference is, is that we're so used to seeing these athletes just, you know, get up um, when the national anthem and, and stay silent and sway back and forth. And it's very rare that we see someone like a Mudcat Grant or Jackie Robinson said he didn't stand after a while um, or Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf or Colin Kaepernick protest during the national anthem. And so when they do, people don't like that because it forces us to wrestle with the reality that what we think about America, what we say about America for the longest part of our history 
hasn't actually been the case, right? There's a lot of people who, who are marginalized um, because democracy hasn't, you know, come their way because of racism, because of classism. And we, as a nation, don't want to deal with that. And so when Colin Kaepernick kneels, or Tommy Smith and John Carlos raise their fists in the air, it forces us to, to deal with that. And the inst- when that happens, there's an instant pushback, and that's, oh, you're being unpatriotic. Yeah. Whereas to be patriotic should be being able to be political, but also everybody else really being able to sit down and dialogue about these things. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about athletes and their involvement in social movements. Uh, Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. Rob and John, Steve and Gene, we will get to you next. News, music, culture, and community. Every day. Every day. Every day. On 1019 WDET. Detroit's public radio station. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We are talking about athletes in America African-American athletes in particular who stand up and adopt social causes, step outside the field, step off the court, and talk about the things that they see around them in America. When they do that, is that inappropriate? Are they doing things that uh, go beyond the scope of their currency here as Americans? Or is that their right as Americans to speak out, and they shouldn't maybe be punished for doing that. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. What do you think when athletes step outside sport and talk about social issues? Uh, Do you think they should be punished? Do you think it's okay for them to face consequences, or do you think that should be okay? You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work your comments into the conversation. Deborah on Facebook says, it's certainly more prolific than what our president is using his role for. A very keen observation about the difference, or the, the I guess the, the distinction between uh, our president's use of Twitter uh, and and what athletes do or say. Michelle on Facebook says, I love when athletes use their platform to speak up on social issues. What is the platform for, if not to be spread to be used. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Let's go to Rob in Warren. Rob, welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, thank you. Um, I guess I just want to make a real quick point, and that's that you know, the, these entertainers, they're, they're still doing a job, and they're expected to do that job. And I guess looking at it from a different perspective, if, if you have a doctor that was supposed to go in and perform surgery, and instead of performing surgery, he was – giving his political views obviously he's not doing what he's there to be doing and you said when you brought in pro for this you said uh, when they step outside of of their role as an entertainer well colin kaepernick did this at the beginning of a game so he was actually inside of his professional role when he did it Mm -hmm. so i guess you know i guess we're not looking at it from a from an aspect of you know what he's doing for a job but suddenly political because of the nature of the conversation 
Yeah. Uh, great, great question and great comment there, uh, Rob. Jean, or Lewis Moore, uh, associate professor of history at Grand Valley State, specializes in African-American history and sports history and gender history. I want to get you to react to what, to what Rob's saying there. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, specifically on Colin, I, I would say that um, we have to realize that the playing of the national anthem and standing attention to the national anthem is political, right? Um, so regardless of what you do, you're, you're being part of this political moment, right? Um, and, and I think w- people tend, we're so used to hearing the national anthem at the beginning of the sporting events, we lose sight about this. Is, this is us saying something about our nationalism and about our country. And, and standing up and taking off your hat is, is a, is a just like sitting down or, or kneeling um, is a political gesture. Um, and I think we lose sight of that. I also think we lose sight of that when we're at these sporting events um, of the politics that are involved. Say you go to Comerica, you know, the owners of the Detroit Tigers didn't build that with their own money. That's, that's public money. Um, so we're, we're at a, uh, you go to the Tigers game, you go to a publicly funded stadium that's, and that's given to a private person. Um, and, and I think that we need to keep that in consideration when we're coming after Colin or we're coming after other athletes who um, are setting up in, in these arenas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rob, again, thanks very much for the call. Let's go to John over on the east side. John, welcome to Detroit today. Intriguing conversation. I never thought I would have called, but uh, <laughs> I had to comment on the, uh, the earlier caller. Uh, we just saw it in an opera at Hamilton in uh, New York Uh with the actors voicing their opinion on the health care to our vice president. And uh, so yeah, it, it does happen. And uh, frankly, I think that uh, it takes a lot for them to put it out on the uh, out there because when they go to, to do their contract, it, it can affect their contract. So now, on the other hand, I, I, can't, I can't stand Ted Nugent and his loud mouth and his... Uh, opinions but uh <laughs> <laughs> frankly uh that's that's what people do yeah yeah uh, john thanks very much for for the call and the comments mark on facebook says the entertainment industry has been one of the few avenues open to minorities of all types because skin color sexual orientation language you speak and other factors don't matter compared to your performance. Adam on Facebook says, pro-athletes are some of the very wealthiest people in America. Minority pro-athletes are some of the loudest, most powerful voices to represent minority concerns. They have ascended to an elite level where they have a stage to express the concerns and bring those ideas forward. It is their right. It is a source of power. And in this era of earned position, uh, it is an earned position to express themselves. Uh, thank you very much for that comment, Adam. Let's go to Steve in Southfield. Steve, welcome to Detroit today. Thank you. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. I'm a big um, fan of yours. Oh, in thank fact, you. I'm the Steve who um, knew your dad, worked with your dad. Oh, right. That's right. We have been uh, corresponding. I really <laughs> appreciate this topic. I am a huge fan of Colin Kaepernick. And I think that what he did, I think he was smart enough to know there would be a backlash, okay? But he was brave enough to make that step and, and to, and to um, take that platform. And if, if people weren't, like Colin Kaepernick, uh, weren't out there, I mean, even 50, 60 years ago, who knows where we'd be right now? Uh, the other thing is, I think Colin, you know, I, if, if you love the game of football and Colin wants to play, 
He can play in Canada. Mm-hmm. He can play in Europe. <laughs> it really won't matter. He'll still be playing the game, but at least he will know that he was brave enough and bold enough to take a stand. Yeah, Steve, that's a that's a great point. I'm I'm glad you called, uh, shared that with the listeners. Uh, Lewis Moore, this idea of sacrifice goes automatically with the decision to stand up and say something. I think you have to have in the back of your mind the possibility that you could lose your career, that you could lose the vitality of your career by, by standing up that way. Right. Um, and, and I think we're seeing that with Colin Kaepernick in real time. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something that um, I, I, I think he was aware of. I'm not sure that he, he knew that the vitriol and the racism that would come his way. But, you know, the proof is in the pudding, as they say. You know, Ali lost three years of his career. Um, Tommy Smith struggled to find work after the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Carlos struggled after that, and, and essentially the pressure ruined his marriage. And he said, you know, 10 years later, you know, his wife um, commits suicide. Uh, Craig Hodges, who plays with the Chicago Bulls, he calls out Jordan in 91, calls out Mike Jordan in 92. Um, he doesn't work in the NBA again, even though he's the, one of the better three-point shooters in the league. Uh, eventually, Mahmoud Abdul Raouf, um, his career is ended uh, rather quickly because he he stands up yes. against these things. So, the the caller is right. It's, it's very brave of these athletes to do this. They know that the hate mail is coming. Uh, they know that's going to be a potential loss of income uh, for Colin Kaepernick. It's been a huge loss of income. Again, Ali lost three years of his career. He was he was dead broke uh, before they let him back in 1970. Um, and but I think the beautiful part about this is that they realize that there is something that they could do um, and that is bringing attention to these issues that maybe somebody on the street maybe the protesters on the street can't quite do and so that's why they interject themselves yes uh, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones gene in detroit you're up next gene hello hey gene Ah, uh, good morning steven hey how are you uh, do you remember uh, the movie Gladiator? I do. <laughs> yeah, where uh, at the beginning of every match, the gladiators had to turn to the emperor and salute and say, <laughs> we who are about to die salute you. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and you remember how Russell Crowe turned his back on the emperor? Yes, yeah. And no, you remember how Spartacus, who was also a gladiator in real life, led a slave rebellion, the greatest ever against the Roman Empire. And when he and his men were defeated, most of them chose death rather than return to slavery. Right. So American so, Yeah, I was going to say, do you think American are, athletes fall into modern that? modern-day gladiators. Yeah. And there's always a cost for defiance of any sort. Yeah. Gene, that's a great historical reference. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you, uh, you called and, and shared that with us. Uh, let's go to Kip in Detroit. Kip, walk, welcome to Detroit today. Hi. Um, I've been listening to the show, and uh, I can say that I don't have any issue with athletes being their mind, regardless of the race. Uh-huh. The point that I'm making, uh, that I want to make, is that it seems to me when, you know, as I've listened to this and I've seen it in the media, it seems like the the time when you get the most backlash at it for an athlete is when many people don't agree with the message. For example, it wouldn't matter if it was a white or a black athlete 
if they were to go to a press conference and talk about, say, ending childhood poverty and, you know, made a protest to, to work on that, you're going to get a lot less backlash than Colin Kaepernick has about, you know, Black Lives Matter. And I think that because of, you know, the racial divide that still exists and the people seeing an athlete of any color, especially of color, that is paid to perform and they speak their mind about an issue that they don't agree with and that makes them uncomfortable, that's when the, the biggest backlash happens. Sure, sure. Yeah. No, Kip, I think that's, uh, I think that's absolutely uh, the, 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 the dynamic that we're, that we're seeing here uh, and how it's defined. Lewis, Lewis Moore, uh, essentially what Kip's saying is that this is about, this is fundamentally about race and the difficulty that we have in this country allowing people to even to even talk about race as an issue right um we're uncomfortable with those those conversations and and specifically the conversation that colin kaepernick wants us to have um we don't want to talk about police brutality police reform um and 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 the what colin did when he nailed is that he, he put everybody on on notice and and the great thing about what he did was there was no two sides of the fence, right? He took a side, which was, look, I'm going to be anti-police brutality, I'm going to be anti-this system, and he made people discuss that. And, and some people shied away from that, they ran away from that, and they just blamed Colin Kaepernick, and, and they called him a lot of bad names. Um, but then others was like, wait a minute, what is he saying, right? What is, what is truly going on here? Um, how then do we recognize rectify the situation how do we really deal with police brutality um in in this nation and i think that's the brilliance of of what kaepernick did he made us face something that we didn't want to face and we if maybe he if he didn't do that that we weren't willing to face um and i think he he will go down in history as as a hero because of this yes okay lewis moore professor of uh, associate professor of history at Grand Valley State, specializes in African American history, sports history, and gender history. Thank you very much for being with us on Detroit today. All right, thank you for having me. Absolutely. All right, up next, we're going to talk about the importance of white allies in furthering social justice movements for African Americans. Stay with us on Detroit today. <laughs> ¶¶ 